This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 347 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show, Freedom Horses and Manure Management. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Bimeda Dewormers, Uncle Jimmy's Brand Products, Mill Creek Spreaders, and Flirting with the World. This week, Helene and I answer listener emails. Betsy Bixby shares the story of Freedom Horses out of Texas. Tracy Noel of Mill Creek Spreaders talks pasture management. And we have Wormers 101 Part 3 from Bimeda D. Wormers. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. We bring you the news through hail or high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop calls. It's time again for Stable School. Stable School. Stable School. Stable School. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, howdy, Helena. Howdy, Glenn. Is it summer in Florida? Yeah. Before the show today, I was out by the pool, and the water's warming up. Pretty soon, we'll be able to get in the pool. I had my little chair out there. I had my drink, and I was taking a little break before I recorded four shows this afternoon. (laughs) So uh, I was sucking up some sunshine. It was nice. You know what I'm sucking up? A whole lot of nothing. (laughs) How about you have the snow melted all together now? The snow is finally gone. Yay! The last of it went, like, on Tuesday. Yay! So you can see the grass. But it's 37 degrees and raining today. Oh. Yeah, so there's no yay. There's there's no yay. You know, it's funny, too, because this afternoon I have to travel quite a distance to um, coach my daughter's lacrosse game. And that means, you know, I, I had to get my barn done earlier than usual this time of year. And I was like, should I leave the doors open or closed? So if I leave my barn doors open, of course, the horses go in there and they always pee and poop inside their stalls. They have an entire field and barn, barnyard, right, to go to the bathroom in. But they have to go in their stalls to do it. So I said, too bad, kiddos. I'm locking you out. <laughs> now, don't, wouldn't you rather have them do it inside so it's all in one spot and it's easier? No, because then it, I use more um, shavings yeah, that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... Um, but these both still have their thick, woolly winter coats. That was the point I was getting to is um, it's not raining now. But, uh, you know, here I am worried about them being chilly. They're two horses, you know, with plenty of extra padding around the middle. They're full winter coats. And I'm worried about them being a little chilly while I go away for two hours. <laughs> yeah, they just came off the worst winter ever. And you're worried about uh, 40 degrees. And <laughs> I'm freezing. I'm freezing. So we have a great show today. Yeah, We've got some interesting guests, huh? Yeah, but let's start with a listener question. How about we do that real quick? I love those. I okay, love those. this is from Lynn, and I think she's in Michigan. She says, since you were out of town at Road to the Horse, and I've had two vacations in three weeks, uh, she actually came down and we saw her uh, for, she was here at Live Oak International, the driving competition. 
She's been a listener of ours for years. And she said, what do you do about farm sitters? How are they paid by the day, by the head? Do they stay on site or just come in to feed? What's the going rate? How about scooping poop? It is pretty depressing to come home to weeks worth of poop, especially in the winter. I had a good, pretty good support system, but it's starting to unravel and I need reinforcements. I'm not sure what you or your listeners do. Boy, this is the hardest. Th- this is a hard one to answer, Lynn, because it's the hardest thing we all deal with, isn't it? When we want to go away, it's almost harder than finding somebody to watch your kids. It's uh, definitely uh, what harder. You, I mean, you know, we're lucky here at the farm because we have our first, our landlord lives on the property and he takes care of the animals. And when we go away, he even takes, it's almost harder to find a, uh, somebody to watch our dog than it is the horses. So our dog actually goes to his house and lives there because he loves the dog and the dog loves him. So they hang out together while we're away, and the dog is, doesn't go through any withdrawal because she's just having a great time. She's allowed to sleep on the furniture at his house, see? Ooh. Not allowed at our house. So she loves it up there. She gets to hang out on the couch and look like a queen for a week. And now the, <laughs> She plays that role very well. Yes, and he takes care of the horses, and, and my brother lives a mile away, and they have horses, so they're horse people. So we trade that way. So we're pretty lucky here in that we have a support system close by, but boy, isn't this a tough one? Yeah. It's just. What it's, do you do? What do you do when you have to go away and the horses need horsing? Well, I'm sitting here shaking my head because just when I think I have a plan, you know, the next time I have, I'm going away, my plan goes up in smoke. Um, well, the first thing that I do is make sure that the way my horses are set up is really easy for someone else to come in and take care of them. Now, not everybody has that option. So, you know, for example, I have a barnyard within an ounce. So really all somebody has to do when they come here is throw some hay, drop some grain. You kind of make their routine as simple and straightforward as possible. Um, so I've, you know, you put the word out. Usually well, for small animals, I used to always go through my vet because there's always a tech there who's looking to make a couple extra bucks, college student, you know, recent grad, whatever. And they'll come by and you know they're reliable, they're accountable because – you can find them, you know. Um, but like farm sitting, when you go away and have someone come stay at the house, you really just have to rely on a network of friends and, and other knowledgeable. Like being involved in a barn is a good thing, you know, because then like let's say you have your horses at home, but you, you know, you're somehow connected either through lessons or you truck up to use an indoor. Um, then you kind of get involved with that community there. And there's always somebody you know, we've had this conversation how many times over the last seven, six years is, you know, to keep your horses at home versus a boarding. And yep. boy, one of the super nice things about boarding is you go away, you don't have to worry about it. That is definitely the top of the plus column. And uh, it, it depends on how long you're going away, too. If you're going right, away for like week, you know, seven days a week, days a week yeah. some, some places, if they have a stall, they'll let you drop your horse off. That is you know, true. You can do f- shorter term boarding, you know, depending on horses you have too, I guess. Yeah. 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 If you have one or two, like if you just have one or, or two, um, again, it's, it depends on if they have a stall available. But I think it's important to um, stay connected to some barns in your community just so that you have that network. 
Now, we always had working students when we had our big farm, so the working students would actually live there and stay yeah. there to take care of the farm and the horses. And they liked that because usually they were older teenagers who got to be away from home and on their own in our house. So they always liked that. So we would lock up the alcohol and, and you know, go away for a week. Um, I'm not sure that stopped them, but, uh, <laughs> but the you know, horses were usually it. alive when we got home. So, yeah, I used to do it. It was it was great <laughs> extra cash for me, and I loved getting out of the house and staying somewhere on my own. You you can watch whatever TV you want, read books, you know. Now you live in an area like ours where it's very horsey. There are professional farm sitters, and one of the advantages to looking up a professional farm sitter is they're insured. Uh, they have insurance so that, and, and also my sister-in-law is a professional pet sitter. So mm-hmm. that's all she does. She drives from one house to another all day long, taking care of dogs and cats and birds and fish and everything else. And she goes to people's homes and, and does that all day long. And the nice thing about hiring her is she comes, she's fully insured and she's registered. Uh, she, she actually has the certificate from the farm sitter or the pet sitters association or whatever it is. That's awesome. Yeah, so you can look for that, too, in your local area. There are professional farm sitters as well that will come out and actually live at your farm. But I yeah, can't there's a place that's around cheap. here which has a super cute name. It's called um, Barn Tenders. I love that. Oh, really? That's cute. Barn Tenders. Yeah, I haven't used them yet, but give it time, and I'll, I'll get there. I mean, I imagine but, that's uh, not cheap, but it's probably very reliable. Uh, you know. you know what? They would make a great guest. Why don't I get in touch with them and see if yeah, they're coming on the show? I don't think we've ever done that. So that'd be great. Yeah, let's do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it too, it depends on, like like you said, if you have um, maybe high maintenance horses or horses with special needs or performance horses that are in work and you, you have to follow a very specific regimen while you're away, then it's worth it to pay the extra money to have someone who can come in and follow your instructions to the T. Um, yeah, and you want you know, some. I mean, obviously, you want you get what the hard, you pay for. Yeah, the hard part is too. You want somebody that you know, if if a horse is injured in some form, has a hole here or there, they're actually going to notice it. Um, yeah, you know, and that's you know, a non-horse person may not notice it, um, and that's something that you have to take into consideration too. But I think, Lynn, you asked the impossible question. It's so hard, and it's something that every horse person battles with. Uh, but I think it'd be great if we can get somebody on from one of the professional organizations. We can find out a little bit more about how that works. Uh, if you have a question for Helena and I that we could not answer like we did Lynn's, uh, you get, just drop it to, drop us an email at Glenn at HorseRadioNetwork.com or Helena at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Well, coming up next, we're going to hear from uh, Uncle Jimmy's brand products, and then we have Betsy Bixby from Freedom Horses, and there she's with FreedomHorses.org out of uh, the Texas area. We're going to find out what that organization is. Uncle Jimmy's Hanging Balls and Licky Things help combat stall boredom by providing your horse entertainment in the stall while at the same time providing them with much-needed minerals and nutrients not found in other treats. Uncle Jimmy's has training treats covered, too, with Uncle Jimmy's Squeezy Buns. Every deliciously soft, squishy treat is individually wrapped for freshness, so your pockets won't get gummed up. Ask for Uncle Jimmy's Hanging Balls, Licky Things, and Squeezy Buns at your local tack and feed supplier, or you can go online to uncle-jimmys.com. I have a backup going too. So, Ugh. 
So if it's a problem, technology is wonderful good. when it works. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's me. It was all on me. I am recording. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Well, hi Betsy. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Glenn. I'm glad to be with you. Well, we are having you on. You're from an organization called Freedom Horses, and you're out of Texas. And I know uh, somebody that's very familiar to the Horse Radio Network was involved. I don't know if she still is, but was involved in the beginning, Tammy Serrants. And Yes, and she is still involved. Oh, yeah. Yep. Good, good. Yeah. Well, tell us what Freedom Horses is for those that haven't heard of it. Glenn, yes. Freedom Horses links uh, survivors of abuse with volunteer horse owners. And we're currently in five states, and we have a vision to get to all the states eventually, and hopefully even internationally. And the thing that makes Freedom Horses, I think, very unique is there's never a fee paid by the client. So it's all done from the heart of the horse owner with um, safe horses and giving them just an experience. It's not counseling. It's not therapy. It is, uh, but it works, uh, giving them confidence and courage and getting back into the workplace if, um, if they need to get a leg up. So you know how wonderful horses are. You well, guys are in the, the horse business. So it's not a therapy organization like some that we've talked to in the past. You're actually... You're, do you have a network of of barns that I, I'm not quite sure how it works. I'm I'm a little confused. Yeah, yep, that's okay. And yes, the the vision of this was to give the woman a place to go relax, have success, and enjoy the horse without going through a lots of questions and the typical therapy stuff and gotcha. you know all the things that go with it. Yeah. So yes, we we have individual horse owners and we have barns where the person that wants to do a little give back and a lot of our volunteers are uh former survivors themselves and so they just spend 60 to 90 minutes with women and those women, Glenn, are, are, are we find them through the local um, organizations, and our women are typically beyond the crisis stage. I was In other ask words, what that. happens yeah. a lot, yeah, and you probably see this with um, with veterans with PTSD. There's things that surface later. And so um, our volunteers are not involved with um, active abuse situations. In other words, these are people that may be years beyond abuse, but it's impacted their ability to function well in the, in the marketplace. I mean, people lose confidence and they lose self-esteem and they're not taking care of themselves and sometimes not even working. Um, so we started out with a group called Freedom House, which is where the Freedom Horses came from. And one of our rules is that the the client has to be actually involved in some sort of other um, traditional therapy program. But what we do is just offer a place for the ladies to go and have success. And so how it's do you amazing. Def- how would you define the, uh, I don't want to say the ideal person who would benefit from this program. Let's say, um, let's say I'm not involved with Freedom House, but um, this program would be ideal for me. How, how do you reach out to other women or how can women identify themselves as being in need of yeah, this kind of thing? A, it's a, yeah. On our website at freedomhorses.org, um, if they are needing assistance, um, we try and link them with a local organization. So we work with agencies uh, throughout the states where we are 
that are offering traditional kinds of counseling services. And then normally what's happened with Freedom Horses is that our link has usually been to people who want to volunteer, who have a safe horse and say, gosh, I'd love to give back in this way. And so then we get them together with a local agency. And the National Abuse Hotline has a list of, of agencies and resources as well. And so, uh, and we're very blessed that we have a board member who's active nationally. And so if someone is in, you know, Nashville, Tennessee, for instance, and wants to be a volunteer, owns a horse, would love to do that kind of volunteer work, then we will find out where they are in Nashville, what is an agency that's very close by to where they are, and then that agency will actually recommend the women to be involved in that program. And we have some sites where they only work with one woman at a time, and we have other people like Glenn, like Tammy, that was working with five or six women at a time because she had um, extra horses and she had people that were helping her to keep everybody safe and um, just did an amazing job. I In fact, some of Tammy's, yeah, some of Tammy's original group are now giving back here locally. Um, and, you know, we have a, um, an after ride coming up, a competitive trail challenge, and some of our graduates actually come back and serve as judges and volunteers um, to help for that. So oh, wow, it's, really it's cool. a full circle. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I didn't realize yeah. it had gotten this big since we talked to you last. I don't, I don't, I think you maybe had one. So, uh, this, exactly. Yeah. Yep. We start, Tammy was a beta site. You know, when we, when we had this vision, and because of Tammy's background and her heart for the cause, she just said, you know, I want to be the first site. And so um, we kind of cut our teeth with her and figured out what to do and what not to do and, you know, figured out our guidelines and what was working and what wasn't and then was able to put together that prototype. And then, you know, again, it, the, the people just kind of raise their hands as volunteers and then we get them together with the local agency and um, sometimes we have to do a little sales job on the local agency. But now I think horses are... People are seeing horse therapy in in various um, you know roles, especially with veterans and with other uh, therapy programs, not just the kids and all of that. So it's it's been easier for us now with these agencies to say, look, there's something about a horse that is wonderful that just works. You know, <laughs> indeed, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Sometimes you don't even know that they're they're providing counseling and therapy for you. We're just out there brushing and currying, and yet we come inside afterwards and we're like, hmm. Something just feels better yep. about life right now. So exactly, just... that's it, Elaine. You totally get it because that, and that's why I tell my volunteers: you don't have to do anything. The horses are really doing what they need to do. All you're doing is creating an environment where ladies can have success. And a lot of times, they have lost that confidence in themselves to even have a success. So we set up trail obstacles, and you know, depending upon the the horse owner and what they want to do, sometimes just a trail ride just to get out and relax in the sunshine and we have them not bring their children, right? So yeah, if they have yeah. kids, it's time away from the kids and you just get to go and breathe and relax and enjoy a horse. And it's amazing what that does. Now, well, we've had now you have victims, to... we've had long-time abuse victims. I mean, it's just been amazing. Now you have, uh, I was just going to ask you how you're funded, but I know, I, I assume most of it's through donations and fundraisers, right? 
It's completely through donations and fundraisers, right? And we have a very, very low expense structure. We, um, even at this point, one of the things we, we would like to do is to have a full-time executive director. We're all just volunteers. We all have other jobs, just like Tammy. Um, and so our vision, Glenn, and one of the things we really want to um, do to get this going even further is eventually we'd love to hire an executive director and, and have, you know, actually somebody do this on a regular basis and get it through all the states. So we've done everything that we've done has been on a shoestring <laughs> and just personal donations from, you know, from the volunteers. So, but again, the ladies are never charged. So what's well, yeah. amazing. It's grown this far with just volunteers. I mean, that's hard to do yes. in the first place. So congratulations for getting that accomplished. You're having a couple of uh, benefit trail rides coming up, right? We are. We have a competitive trail challenge on the 18th and 19th, two of them. They're one day each, but it's a weekend of fun. And that's in Bluffdale, Texas, which is between Granbury and Stephenville. And then um, we'll actually be at Tammy's Ranch the first weekend in May and doing some arena obstacle challenges. And uh, it was funny, I was talking to her the other day, and she said that all the road to the horse obstacles were sitting in a trailer at her place, and she said, oh, no. well, I wonder if they could just forget them for a couple of, of uh, weeks more, and we could play with them in our obstacle challenge, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, they were that so would be beautiful. good, though. You would have outhouses, and you would have oh, all yeah. kinds of stuff to play with. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, this is great. Congratulations on bringing it to the point where it is, uh, you know, and, and uh, really wanting to continue with its growth. The website is freedomhorses.org. What states are you in currently? We are currently in Texas, in Tennessee, in Oklahoma, um, oh gosh, it's Iowa, and one other that I should know off the top of my head and don't. Um, I'm assuming That's it's, terrible, I'm assuming it's one of those but, states right down next to all of those. So you're working your yeah, way from can. Texas yeah, out? Yes, yeah. we are working our way from Texas out. But interesting with Tennessee, I mean, that was just a volunteer that um, heard about the program and said, oh, my gosh, this is wonderful. And she's actually co connected with the YWCA. Um, in the Nashville area, so that was a perfect fit. Yep. Well, if somebody's listening to this and they want to get involved from that end, from the end of uh, the farm that wants to help out, they just contact you guys through the website? Yes, that would be perfect. And um, I'm happy to give my cell phone number to, um, which is 817-680-1284. And there's also an email where they can just reach out. And we do have um, a volunteer that just... Um, helps us with getting information, talking to people. Um, it does have a Christian focus, so that also makes us a little different. Um, so our volunteers, um, you know, that's part of our um, requirement. We find that a lot of these ladies um, tend to reject God after going through a lot of tough stuff. And we don't shove it down their throats, but we want that available to them, you know, to, um, to pray over them and to help them in that way, too. Freedomhorses.org is where you'll find the information. I'm so glad you've gotten it to this point. And, that, uh, and I saw Tammy a couple weeks ago, so it was nice hanging out with her for a weekend as well, as much as I got to see her at Road to the Horse. Yeah, uh, she, she, was, she was a busy she girl. She was flying yeah. by, yeah. Well, that's great. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank we you, appreciate Betsy. it, Betsy. Great work. Thank you, Glenn and Elaine. All right, Thank bye -bye. you. Bye-bye. Well, it's a wonderful organization that Betsy's working with. I wish them all the best, and I'm sure that they will be getting bigger and bigger. Coming up next, we have 
something completely different, <laughs> but <laughs> equally important. We're going to talk to Tracy Noel of Mill Creek Spreaders. She's going to have a little chat with us about manure management because manure needs to be managed. <laughs> Look at you. You're a professional going from two, I mean, two completely different things and you made a transition. I'm impressed. That, yeah, but my that's the only kind of transition I can make. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, I can't ride. My ground is all full of manure and mud. So I can only transition on the show. But it's a good transition because it's a good conversation that we're going to have with Tracy. We're going to learn a lot about spreaders. I, for one, would love to have one. Um, and you know what? Would also be kind of confused as to which kind to get. How many horses I have, how much property, how much manure I have to manage. So Tracy will help get us started with that. I give you an eight for that transition. Well, hi, Tracy. Welcome back to the Stable Scoop Show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, you know, we've uh, it's been a while since we talked to you over at Mill Creek Spreaders. As a matter of fact, I think it was before the snow started flying. I think it was in the fall. I think so. So it's good to have you back on. Of course, now we have we have to uh, start worrying about uh, manure management again. A lot of people didn't eat, like Helena didn't even see the manure for three three months because they <laughs> because true. they couldn't find it. So it was easy to forget about it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> or their manure spreader, if they had one, was buried and they couldn't get to it. So um, now that everybody's digging out a little bit, I, I wanted to talk about it again and and talk a little bit about manure management and and uh, composting and things. You mentioned something uh, about composting and states cracking down on manure management, different states. What, what? And I know you're not an expert in that area, but I, I was interesting because I've not heard that. What's, what's going on? Oh, my goodness. Yes, absolutely. In our home state of Pennsylvania, you know, where Mill Creek is located in Honeybrook, um, the Department of Conservation now requires a manure management plan for any livestock operation, which, of course, includes horses. If you have one horse on your property, you are supposed to file a manure management plan. Um, wow. In writing? Like, yeah. okay, my manure management yeah. plan is I'm spreading it in my field, is, and, and it's one sentence. Is that good, or do you have to be more clear? No, but no, no. Oh. no. They, you know how the government, they, they want their, <laughs> their, their, their crossed and their I's dotted, so there's, there's some forms that you have to fill out. And we have, you know, we have looked them over. I personally have looked them over. And at first it seems rather intimidating. Um, there's fun things like having to draw a little property plan and um, that sort of thing. But the good news is that there is ample um, information online about how to complete the forms, completely sampled. And the Department of Conservation, I think probably working with, I forget if it's working with the, with the Cooperative Extension Service, does seminars on how to produce these things. And I know they have people, you know, that are helpful to, to help you fill them out. Um, it wasn't really as bad as it looks to begin with, especially if you're not like, you know, a 400-cow dairy operation. Those are the folks that they're really targeting. Well, I was going to say, are, do they have the poop police out there? You have two horses in the backyard. They're going around, <laughs> you know, counting poop. Well, uh, no. <laughs> I want that job. You want to be the poop police? Give it time. Some one of the colleges will come up with a decree. Decree, decree yes. You'll, you'll be manure having management. masters in poop. That's a pretty good out. idea, manure management. <laughs> well, the Sorry. main focus seems to be they don't want manure anywhere near wet 
areas, like if it's a creek or your pond or, you know, any kind of environmental, um, I forget the exact term, but that's, that's, they don't want manure near that. So there's specific seeds that you have to be set back from those features when you're spreading. And then the, the setback is, um, is larger in the winter too, because they, they're concerned about, you know, runoff. But, and, uh, so is this all yeah, part of, that, was this all part of the Chesapeake Bay uh, project to clean up the Chesapeake Bay? Because I know that you're kind of a, I don't know what the term is, a watershed for the Chesapeake Bay. And I know that was a big concern years ago. Everything that went in the well, streams in Pennsylvania. And then, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. But this is statewide, so I mean, it's all the way over by Pittsburgh, you know. So it's, um, but that's what we have in Pennsylvania. And then I believe there's some other states. And if not your state, your local jurisdiction might have a whole lot to say about what you're doing with your manure. Um, and it's not just the it's not just the smells or the, the ugliness or the fly attracting. It's it's again, it's probably the wet the wet areas that they're worried about, or just you know the, just the the nuisance factor. Um, so it's, we always really encourage people before they purchase a spreader or plan to do any spreading that they check their local regulations. Um, sometimes it's flat out not allowed, or they will tell you you don't have enough land, and we're not going to let you spread. Um, you know there there are there's some there's some practical reasons I think for these constraints when building our barn and deciding where to put the manure pile. One of the things we had to consider not only were these buffer zones around anything that was considered um, an environmental conservation area or anything that was designated yeah. a wetland. Um, and this will be true, I think, for most municipalities that have um, wells where that are that don't yeah. have a, a city septic. Um, you do need to locate your manure pile far enough away from your well so that you obviously don't get E. coli and other kinds of um, excessive bacteria in your well water. Now, right. the other thing, though, is thing, some of these oh, wetlands are used as, you, you know, they do collect. It's groundwater. Um but, I mean, for one or two horses, there has to be some kind of, like, who, I mean, there's obviously some subjectivity. Who's ever reading these reports has to say, okay, we've got two horses, and, you know, they're within, they're at 95 feet of the buffer zone or whatever. There's got to be some flexibility, don't you think? I think so. And I think you can appeal, you know, there's, the, I mean, again, it's the government. Right. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're know, on your own. But I was, I was going to mention, too, that if you are planning to pile your manure, whether for future spreading or just because you don't have a spreader, um, there's always regulations about that, too. For example, you have to eat this. How we want you to have some kind of concrete pad. Um, it might need to be covered. It may need to be enclosed otherwise. And that holds true if you're doing composting, too. Same kind of thing. It needs to be on concrete or you have, you know, it has to be specifically contained because they're concerned about runoff from it, which can be very unpleasant. Anybody who's ever stepped in a nasty puddle in a barn can tell you that. So, um, you know what I was, and I don't know if they do this anymore, but 20 years ago when we had our big farm there in Pennsylvania, across the street, the, uh, the guy, we, we had septic systems, so they used to come out and pump the septic system, right, into the truck. Mm -hmm. Well, the neighbor across the street had a septic system pumped, and then they went out and spread it right on the fields. Uh, 
and we were in total shock. We didn't know that was done. But apparently, in many states, it's legal. And it's like, are you kidding oh me? Goodness. I know. No, I, I'd rather have horse poop on my food than I'm <laughs> I, I just, I, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. Uh, you, you know, but yet the chicken house behind us, they used to give all kinds of uh, trouble to the chicken house behind us. Was going, they're just spreading raw manure, a human waste, across the street. Uh, but That's anyway. Yeah, I know. I would, I would not think that that was allowed. I know. I was shocked. We were, we were <laughs> absolutely shocked. And I think Jennifer no. called the state and found out, yep, it's illegal in certain places and blah, blah, blah. Now, they probably changed that since then, but... Yeah, that was one of the m- most shocking things I'd ever seen. Um, let wow. me ask you this. Yeah. So now you okay. mentioned to me that uh, that you guys have been really, really busy. So obviously somebody's spreading manure around this country. Uh, definitely, yes. It's, we have been busy, um, and we are, are very excited about that, obviously. Our new stainless steel spreaders have gotten more and more popular. Once people found out that they can have a manure spreader, that was Guaranteed for life against rust through. Uh, we put a lot of interest in those. Yeah, no kidding. They're really pretty. Um, <laughs> if you want a nice looking manure spreader, our SS spreaders are gorgeous. So um, that was not our intent when we designed them, but it did turn out to be that way. It's kind of funny. So um, I did want to mention too that we're also we're very excited because there is a, a TV show on PBS called Growing a Greener World that um, is in its sixth season and it features organic gardening and green living and farm-to-table cooking, that kind of thing. And Growing a Green Old World got a hold of us, the uh, television host of the show did, because he had heard that we made the best equipment. And one of our FS records is now going to be featured on the show. Huh. So we're pretty excited about that. We just shipped it to them, so it'll be, it'll well, be seen several times in this season what on are they farm. And what are they spreading? Are they spreading the compost? Um, no, there's, yes, I believe it's compost, and it's, he has um, on his home farm in Georgia, the show travels around, but it, in his home farm he has horses okay. and pigs and cows, I believe, and goats. I could, I forget exactly, but he's going to be, yeah, he's going to be using our spreader on his garden, um, to, you know, our, in his garden area, in his field. So He's um, a bigger garden than I do. Um <laughs> it would take you exactly uh, three turns of the little thing in the back uh, to spread it on my garden. Uh, you would oh, be done. Okay. Yeah, so, you'd yeah, be go could, ten feet. And you'd be, yeah, I could do it with a shovel easier probably. But um, yeah. now, does what? That brings up another question: Is what do mm-hmm. people use spreaders for other than like horse manure? Are they using them for compost and larger operations, things oh. like that? Absolutely, yes. And we have, I never we thought have about that. Buy some, it's usually our larger spreaders um, for, for cattle operations. Um, right, right. And that is, um, yeah, those are those are more popular with the, with the, I mean, than there's horse barns with 50 horses that buy the big ones, too. But, yes, we, we, we have people buy them to use for sheep, llama, cows, um, alpacas, you know, um, what, what, it, what you have you. And, yeah, we do get asked about that, and we say, sure, go right ahead. Um the, uh, the cow manure is probably a little more difficult, um, and we do recommend having a flying spreader with an upper beater for that, especially if it's gotten compacting. Um, but if, other than that, if, yeah, if, if, you've, much, if yeah. you've never cleaned a stall that or a barn that's been had cow manure in it, you 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 think horses are bad? Oh, the cow patties oh, yeah. are the worst because <laughs> they're oh. so mushy. Yeah, they're mushy, and they get what they do is they get packed down. So it's like you need a chisel and a jackhammer. <laughs> 
to get it out, and then it's all sloppy. Oh, it's just gross. It One of my stinks. horses is like that. Oh, it just stinks. It's <laughs> awful. I'm like, I should have had a cow. Well, and then they tend oh. with the cow people too. They tend to let them go for a long time, so they bring in the front end loaders, and they got about three feet of that stuff, and they're using the front end loader to dump it in the spreader. So what she was basically saying is, you need one tough spreader to spread that stuff. You need a very mm. tough spreader, and that that mark has been really strong for the SS spreaders. That people are astounded how well it's um, they're handling the uh, the compacted cow manure. So yep, that's something to think about for sure. Yeah, because the compacted cow manure, too, is very wet. And, when you know, it gets in there, it gets in the nooks and crannies and does cause rusting much quicker. I don't know what it is about cows, but they seem to be more acidic, in my opinion. And and it, it does rust through quicker. So I can see this the uh, stainless steel spreaders being real popular for that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yep, because people are very excited about those. So. But we also, um, we also have a really neat thing that we launched a brand-new website about a month ago, and our website is going is, is, um, now going to give people all kinds of guidance on what kind of spreaders that they, that they need for their operation, whether okay. it's size, options, all of that. It's all on there now. We have customer reviews, um, both written and video, whatever you want to look at. Uh, those are on the website. Um, the complete technical specs, you know, everything you'd expect to find, all, you know, pictures of every kind of that we make in configuration and, you know, some info about the company. But where we find people really um, tend to get stumped is when they're choosing their options, whether it's, you know, the PTO uh. versus the ground drive. That's a big one. Nobody's sure. Um, and then you guys know what a fines pan is? <laughs> oh, who? Yeah, right. A that answers your question. <laughs> Apparently yeah. not. That's an option. Yeah, I didn't know either. That's an option, believe me. It's an option on the spreaders, and that's really useful if you're if you're spreading compost or any kind of smaller material, like if you're stall bedding and pelletized. Um, the little fines pan on the back is, is a great thing for that. Um, oh. So we have information, and we're, we're actually making um, some more videos specifically just about the, the options. So that information is there. You know, we have our size comparison infographic, which makes it real easy to see how much they all hold and what you can pull them with. Um, and then most exciting of all for us is we now have online ordering with free shipping. So what? If you have de- yep, if you have designed your dream spreader. Oh, my UPS guy is going to love that. Uh. Your UPS guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're actually delivered by tractor trailer. Oh, yeah, okay. You can yeah. order your spreader right online, and we will ship it to you. And it's all included in the price, so no worry about that. I can see um, him pulling up now with his truck, backing up and pushing the manure <laughs> spreader out the back. I can see him being <laughs> really happy about that. Well, we, we ship them actually with the wheels off, but the assembly is pretty simple. In fact, probably you know, hooking up their, their DVD player is probably more difficult. So we. <laughs> okay, so it's better than IKEA furniture. It's easier to assemble than an IKEA furniture. That is what exactly. you're saying. Exactly. There you go. That should be okay. I like that. Right, I good. can barely do that. I can no. do that if I have a drink nearby. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the way. You, I think the so IKEA guys did that on purpose. <laughs> that's funny. Well, this but, is yeah, great. We're, we're pretty excited about that, and the response has been great. We've had we've had quite a few of them ordered already in the first you know 20 days since we launched the website. So it seems to be it seems to be a, a good thing. So Mill, Mill Creek spread. Yes. 
MillCreekSpreaders.com is where you'll find it. There's, go to the Frequently Asked Questions section. There's a lot of good questions and answers on there. And, of course, you'll see our friend Julie Goodnight all over the place. Uh, she yep. uses a Mill Creek spreader, and you'll see a video of her there. She's been doing using that for a long time. And I'm sure a lot of you have, too. You might have an older Mill Creek spreader that's time now to get a replacement. Go to MillCreekSpreaders.com. They also do have, if, if you don't want to have one shipped, um, you can. there are a bunch of dealers across the country. Just put in your zip code, and you can find a dealer uh, located closest to you as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've seen them at a couple shows now. Now, of course, you know that you guys are with us here. I see them everywhere because you're looking for them. Right. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Once you get a little information about something, they start <laughs> popping up everywhere. Yeah, that's true. MillCreekSpreaders.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Tracy has one of the best, friendliest, beautiful names in the world, Tracy Noel. It just has to be the, the most beautiful name ever. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> just always thinking of Happy Christmas time when you say Tracy Noel. You're just always thinking that. Well, yep. My daughter was born January 1st, but if she came on Christmas, you were going to name her Mary. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> thank you, Tracy. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, coming up next, we have our Tack and Habit segment for the week. This Tack and Habit segment is sponsored by Flirting with the World. Flirting with the World is online at flirtingwiththeworld.com. And for this week, we have our part three in our Worming 101 series that we did with Buy Me to D Worming. So let's take a listen to that. Well, I'm back here with Dr. Ellison, and we are talking about deworming. He is the Director of Technical Services at Bimeda Incorporated. Dr. Ellison, today we're going to talk about fecal testing and some of the lesser-known equine parasites. We touched on fecal testing last month, and I want to get into more detail about that this month. So fecal testing is, is really a multi-part process, isn't it? It really is. It really is. And, you know, um, as helpful as fecal testing is, and it really is helpful in, in, in telling us about most of the major parasites, it's not going to tell us about all of them. For instance, if a horse has bots, which is nothing more than an intermediate form of a fly, uh, which does not lay an egg, so you're not going to see anything in a fecal test that would indicate those. Pinworms, on the other hand, um, deposit their eggs on the skin of the horse near the tail. Um, so we're not going to, you know, we're not going to pick up pinworm eggs on a fecal test, and of course, uh, tapeworm eggs are very difficult to pick up on fecal testing. Uh, less than three percent uh, are going to be picked up in a fecal test. So uh, there are still some parasites we need to be concerned about, even if our uh, parasite profile, if you will, looks okay from our fecal test. And uh, and I know summer sores is one, too, because we have a horse uh, right here and, and have a big problem with that in Florida. It's something we see all the time, a summer sores. Explain the summer sore. Uh, Other than I think they're just gross, but uh, you can explain. Well, they really are a lot of granulation <laughs> tissue, usually. Um, and what causes that is it's two different lesser-known worms called Drachia and Habernina, which are stomach worms, uh, and their eggs will hatch and the larvae will be spread by flies uh, that are feeding on a sore. Typically, those flies are going to feed around the mouth and the nostrils of the horse, and that's how the life cycle is completed. But 
occasionally it still slides with feeding on a, on a fresh cut or on a sore, the larva will be uh, left off, if you will, or deposited, and then they'll crawl into that sore, and uh, now we've got live larva living in that sore, and that's why it has a tendency to not want to heal, and we get a lot of granulation tissue. So, uh, And ivermectin is uh, actually uh, it has a superior uh, label claim for, uh, for treating summer sores. It's very effective in, in killing those larvae. I was going to ask you that. Uh, so ivermectin is the one for that? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So a product like uh, ivermectin or Equimax uh, would be very helpful, uh, both for bots and for summer sores. Now, as far getting back to the fecal testing, so you do the fecal test. Does that, when that comes back, will that tell me what dewormer I should be using? Because we to, we have already talked about the different classes of dewormers. Will it actually tell no. me, or will my vet tell me that okay, you've got this problem, this problem, this problem, and uh, this is what you should use, and, and you know you should use it this often or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. The fecal test is going to give you a place to start. But, um, you know, as we've discussed previously, uh, with resistance issues that are out there, and, you know, an important thing for your listeners to remember is that resistance uh, against dewormers by parasites is not a regional situation. It's not a uh, geographic situation. It's usually a farm or ranch situation based on what products have been used previously uh, on, on that place. And like we talked about before, we can do fecal egg count reduction testing uh, at the time that we deworm and then repeat it two weeks later and look for that 90% reduction in parasite load. Uh, and if we see that, then we're okay. We can continue using that active, uh, active uh, product. If we don't see 90% or greater reduction, then we need to switch to a different uh, active ingredient group. Do we ever get to 100%? Sure, yeah. Yeah, for instance, uh, Equimax uh, has a label claim for 100% control of capeworms uh, in horses. So, yes, there, there are some of the parasites that we are 100% effective against. Okay. That's terrific to know. And, of course, you can find out all about all the different products that uh, Bimeda has, and you go to their website, bimedaequine.com. That's B-I-M-E-D-A, equine.com. Uh, Equimax, uh, Bimectin, uh, Exodus, Exodus Multidose, Equil, uh, just, just a whole bunch of different ones on there. And the nice part about this website is you can go on there and you can find out what all of them are for. Uh, there's also a ton of information on deworming plans, fecal tests, Testing, a lot more about fecal testing than we had time to talk about today, uh, at resistance, and then all the different kinds of parasites that we, you, you can find as well, uh, some of which we, we just uh, touched on. So go to buymediaequine.com and be sure to check out the Did You Know by Dr. Dave section because uh, Dr. Dave here answers all kinds of questions uh, on that subject, a little more detail than we can get into here. That's at buymediaequine.com. Well, you know, worming is something that we all think about this time of year coming into the spring and all the field, you can actually see the fields and the poop and, you know, worming becomes an issue that we all uh, have to deal with and comes, you know, to the front of our minds. So I'm glad that they agreed to do this series with us. Well, we are going to wrap up the show today. Next week, for all of the fans out there of your fox hunting segments, we're going to talk fox hunting, aren't we? We are going to talk fox hunting. In particular, we're going to talk to fox hunters who've flown the coop 
They flew the coop? They flew the coop. They flew the northern coop from oh. points south. <laughs> so where there actually is some ground they can fox hunt on that's not snow-covered and ice-covered? Yeah, can you tell saying? what's at the front of my mind lately? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are going to be talking to some fox hunters who've left colder climates and have moved south, and we're going to hear what it, um, what the transition was like and what life is like in um, what I call a happier place. Very good. That'll be coming up next week. For all of you that miss uh, the fox hunting segments, we'll have one for you. And then in two weeks, we're gonna we're going to do part two. It's been years actually since we did part one. Uh, our still our most popular episode we've ever done on Stable Scoop was the episode we did about Lyme disease and people. Mm. And we're going to do a follow-up show, Lyme Disease and People Part 2, where we take a look at where we've come in the years since we did that episode. Has anything improved? And as far as the medical community is concerned, we're also going to talk to a couple of our listeners who have uh, fought the battle with Lyme disease and see where they're at and what kind of uh, hoops they've had to go through. And then I'll just kind of give everybody a little bit of an update on where I'm at as well with, uh, with my constant battle with it. So all of that. That will be happening over the next couple of weeks. We look forward to having you here with us. Helena can be found at? Helena at horseradionetwork.com, or you can find me at flirtingwiththeworld.com. You can find all of our past shows, uh, all seven years worth, at stablescoop.com. And you can also find links to today's guests and all of that there as well. We thank our sponsors. This week, we had Uncle Jimmy's Brand Products, by Me to Dewormers, Mill Creek Spreaders, and Flirting with the World. Be sure to visit all the other great shows in the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com or at the free app. Search for Horse Radio Network. Well, Helena, that's it for this week. That was plenty and always fun. There will be more next week. Until then, happy scooping. Happy scooping.